Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to the Other Page Radio. This is Haywood for now. This program is sponsored by Triad Veterans League in association with BNN Media. We're so grateful to be here on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. Boy, oh boy, I hope everybody is enjoying the weather you know, here in the Northeast, we are blooming. Folks in other parts of the United States right now, they are mm, dooming. Let's hope and pray that the weather changes and people uh, reach out to help each other during these times. Uh, it's really been real tough, uh, folks, all the way around, for all the way from California you know, they say California is the sunshine state. And then they say, if you're from Missouri, you got to prove it to them because those people are really hurting. They're getting snow, they're getting rain, mudslides, no sunshine there. But we here in Boston, we're grateful. Triad Veterans League is here, and we are here for the veterans and their family members. We'll talk a little bit today about uh, the Edward O'Gordean statue project coming up soon. Installations on the way. I know we've been talking about it for quite some time, and I know, like me, you haven't given up hope. We're going to get that statue down there in the renamed General Edward O'Gordean. African American Veterans Memorial Park, right across the street from Boston Police Station 2. And we're going to do it, and we're going to let you know when we're going to do it, and we're going to let you know about the programs that will be a part of that that deals with education, building a profile and foundation to empower and capacity build around the military contributions. That is underreported by black African Americans since the American Revolution, 1776, with the first casualty being registered by the name of Christmas Addicts. Now, you might know about the Christmas Addicts Children's Center up on Humboldt Ave. And that man took that bullet for America. So what we're trying to do now with the statue project is that we want to collect information, documentation, if you have it, uh, if you know where we can reference it, and uh, build a center, you know, where people can come and see the archives. We need that. We need to keep our history alive because the places like down in Florida with that guy DeSantis, I don't know, is his name DeSantis or is his name Insane? I'm not sure. But when he starts talking about our history is a mystery, I got to say, whoa, where you going with that one, buddy? We're the only people that came to this country now called the United States of America that were free. We was home over there in Africa minding our business, minding our business, and you brought on a thing called the African diaspora that just separated our people from their homeland and put chains on their bodies and put them on ships and brought them to the Western Hemisphere and scattered us like sand. That's what happened. We were free. We were under our own rule, our own dominion, our own language, our own culture. Some of us, 
we were brought here to this country and other countries by the Portuguese, the Spanish, the British, the French. They had all those colonies over there in the Western Hemisphere. And we were chained, terrorized, taking our names and our culture. But yet, we came about and we started sacrificing for democracy around 1776 and they didn't want us, some of them, to be involved fighting for freedom that we still have not achieved. It's the other page, radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. I'm a veteran. And we're talking a little bit about the statue that's going up to General Edward O. Gordine statue. General Edward O. Gordine, G-O-U-R-D-I-N, was a man that did a lot for his country and served in the United States military. Before that, he got his degree, his his jurisprudence. Check me out with that word, jurisprudence. Ha <laughs> ha. He was a lawyer, folks, uh, for the federal government. He was also involved in uh, sports, uh, athletics. He was, I believe, a broad jumper. He got a silver medal during the World War II um, Olympics. He set a record, I'm told, you know, but uh, he became a, the first black. Superior Court judge. You know, he was. Then he became a brigadier general in the National Guard for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. This man did a lot. And I just want to thank the people that were on the committee that started off early on. And who comes to my mind? The late Ralph Francis Brown. Now, I know there were some more people on there. I know uh, his wife, Wilma Brown, she was on that committee. Uh, Joyce Stanley, I believe, she was involved. Uh, Jamada Smith was involved. It was a lot of people involved that are no longer here today. And as that uh, statue goes up. We're going to have an event to formalize that installation that I'm going to be involved in uh, organizing. Yeah, that's the right word, organizing. And so we're going to keep it on the radio. We're going to keep it on our television show. Uh, when we get the date, we want to make sure that you're apprised of that so that you can come down and see the statue and meet the people that are part of the committee for the veterans and friends of the Edward O. Gordine statue, Chantel Charles, Wilma Brown, Rachel Brown, Brother Ralph Brown, that's Brown with an E, Brown with an E, Ernest Washington, Bob Workman, Bridget Brown, Cherry Brown, Lillian O'Neill, Port Extraordinary, uh, Shirley Malone Finner, who's no longer with us in terms of living in Boston, but she's a veteran, an officer. Uh, she's done a lot of work. Uh, Bruce Bickerstaff, uh, former chairman. Uh, so we're going to put it together. It's a series of events, and uh, we will have a fundraiser Soon after the installation, a few days later, you know, we want to celebrate black veterans. Uh, the statue uh, began, like I said earlier, to educate and capacity build among our young people. We're going to have a youth education component, trying to work with uh, some of the organizations like the NAACP, Roxbury Community College, to help us strengthen our posture around veterans and that history. Because 
Like I said earlier, they're talking about we didn't do anything. Folks, we shed blood all over the world. Black veterans have shed blood all over the world. And we want to be recognized, and we want to make sure that that legacy continues. Take a little break right now and talk about a few things. The Oscar Micheaux Family Theater Program is a Boston nonprofit. They hope to teach the importance of community service through the art of theater, looking to establish a year-round community-based family theater organization with full theater productions by people from the community. For more information, you can visit www.oscarmichaudrep.tripod.com. Let me just let me just interject right quick. Uh, the Oscar Michaud Family Theater Program Company is is my baby. I'm a, I'm a part of that. I'm the founder of that organization, and I got to tell you, we did some tremendous things in this community, even during even during the pandemic, the three year pandemic. Uh, Sister Monica Anderson Spencer and her husband Will Spencer have been, I mean, really. In putting together productions, uh, we did the Miss Mary Nannis and Friends Project. We did the Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was not just an underground railroad hero. She was dealing with black women and, and voting after the Civil War. You know, she was still active. And Sister Monica uh, invited some ladies to... Uh, come in and do some readings, and they put together a performance on Zoom that was really outstanding, talking about black women, some of the black leaders. And one of the people that was involved in the play was Mrs. Wilma Brown, the widow of Brother Ralph Francis Brown, who was associated until his death with the vision for creating the statue to recognize and honor the contributions of black veterans. So, you know, like, we want to make sure people get recognized for the things that they do. Not so much for a lot of people do a lot of talking, but they don't do the things that requires uh, that energy expense. You got to expend that energy. You know, so what we're trying to do now is to put that park in place the General Edward O. Gordine Park. And a lot of the members of the Oscar Michaud Family Theater Program Company, believe it or not, are veterans. We have five veterans in the Oscar Michaud Family Theater Program Company. And our webpage, our website, created by a young man by the name of Troy Gay, G-A-Y-L-E is T-H-E-O-M-T-C dot com. T-H-E-O-M-T-C dot com. That is our webpage. If you're worried your friend may be struggling, remember, you don't have to be there to be there. You can say how while you will get a fake tattoo. You can ask with an app if it works for you. You could chat on a game, kick off your flip flops. You can ask on your couch while you binge watch. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you talking. Reach out to a friend about their mental health. Learn how you can help at seizetheawkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. I'm Chris Jackamick. I served in the United States Air Force and I deployed three times. Being a veteran, it's interwoven into your DNA. It's really the absence of the connection and the purpose that can really drive a lot of veterans to some uh, negative thoughts. For those who are in a suicidal crisis, the window of time to save somebody's life is very short. Our duty is to protect ourselves and protect our families. And one way you can do that is store your weapons safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by End Family Fire and the Ad Council. Back again with the... uh other page radio, you know, just listening intently to the uh, PSA, public service announcement, uh, regarding suicide. And uh, it's a big thing among veterans. 
you know, suicide and suicide episodes, attempts to end it all. And one of the things that Triad Veterans League is focusing on is finding housing plans that will suit the veterans because you see a lot of houses being built in our community, but you don't see any housing being built specifically for veterans and black veterans in particular. You see, uh, some of the locations that are for veterans like downtown or State Street, those are considered by black veterans hostile territory. You know, you always got to feel like you're on the defense, whatever that means to as it relates to protecting yourselves verbally and physically. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But when I look at the January 6th invasion of the Capitol, and I see how those bodies were climbing walls and doing all those acrobatic-looking feats, I think about the time that I was stationed in Fort Greeley, Alaska at the mountain climbing school and some of the drills that they we were able to see and, and later on talk to those guys that were involved in that mountain climbing. And uh, if you were a ranger, wanted to be airborne ranger, you came to Fort Greeley, Alaska, uh, which is in the Big Delta in Alaska, the coldest part of Alaska, because they train all the equipment that the military uses. And then they take it and they send it to Panama, where it's hot and the weather is such that, you know, they want to see how that equipment operates in cold, wet, damp environment, Freezing environment because at Fort Greeley it would be like forty degrees below zero, and that's when they would test the equipment. And I was working in the photo lab, so if any breakdown happened, they would bring the the part to be photographed and put in their report. So to get back to the narrative of January the sixth, when I saw the way those people were maneuvering and getting over those walls or climbing, etc. I said, those are veterans. A lot of them were veterans. And I understand frustration, etc., but you don't do that. And a lot of those people are, are police officers. You know, we got to really kind of understand what it is to be patriotic. That's why we got the General Edward O. Gordine Project going, because patriotism, man, requires a, a strength. If, you, if, you, if you're an American like I'm an American, you don't, you, don't, you don't attack the Capitol. I don't care what you think. You don't attack our Capitol. You don't ride jump on police officers. Police officers jumping on police officers. I saw a thing the other day. Police officer from Massachusetts. We don't do that, man. This is the other page of radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. I'm a veteran. I'm proud to be a veteran. And uh, we'll be right back. Are you a veteran who is struggling with their housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc., can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing to eligible, struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. Are you a veteran, or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, 
utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. You know, I, I just played a male voice and a female voice for the same information. And I did that for a reason, because a lot of times when we talk about veterans or when we think about veterans, our women veterans are just as important as our male veterans. And they have a history of service in the United States military. And we want to thank all the women that are involved or were involved in the United States military. We want to thank you for your service. You know, we got to recognize you know, our women in the United States military. And they're doing some phenomenal jobs, command positions, regular enlisted positions, having those kind of MOS, military occupation specialties that normally men would do. Now they're doing them. You know, so, folks, I just, I'm just military. You know, I just love military. I didn't always love military. But that was the problem. So I'm no longer a part of the problem. I'm a part of the solution. I'm trying to get people to understand the importance of what military contribution is all about. You know, these young, full of life and spry, and during the times of the Vietnam era, for an example. I mean, just, just I just want to be a little graphic with you about how these young men and these young women you know, wanted to serve their country, and they raised their hand and swore that they would, you know, obey orders and follow orders no matter what, and some of them did. Some of them tried and weren't successful because they got overwhelmed. A lot of them died because they were trying to live the creed that they said that they would live by and came home in the body bags and the other ones that came home with, Eyes that were glazed and not looking the same, not feeling the same, unable to talk about what it was that they went through. Getting back to that PSA about owning guns and all of that, a lot of times the veterans are not owning guns, but they own their past that they can't talk about. You know, the horrors of war, the anticipation of war going into a country where those people don't know you, you don't know those people, but you've been told that you got to watch them because they are the enemy. And, folks, I don't want to be vivid or graphic with you, but a lot of things happened that made those young men and those young women eyes become like dead fish in the fish market window on ice. They don't talk about it. They finally diagnosed them uh, uh, with mental health challenges. You're talking about Asian orange. You're talking about um, systemic racism and putting people in places in the military where they could lose their lives or they were given rifles or weapons and told to get ready to get shipped out. And their only response is a lot of them uh, was to try to get rid of that pressure, smoke weed, smoke opium, smoke something. And then they got caught up and the military wasn't hearing about the extenuating circumstances. They were just given dishonorable or bad conduct discharges. Bam, just like that. Until it came to a point. It came to a point where there were too many people, Caucasians, getting bad conduct discharges. And then they began to look at it and find out or agree that substance abuse and mental health disorder treatable. I said treatable. And they began to 
change the the character of the discharge. Give them a general discharge that they could later have raised to honorable so they could get their benefits and they wouldn't have what was then called bad paper. A lot of people have bad paper today, but I'm here to tell you, 857-204-5312, we can make a referral if you're in that category. We will be glad to make a referral so that you can get your paperwork updated and you can get your benefits. You can get that treatment. I was over at Mass Cash the other day. You know, I go over there. I ride through slowly, see if I see anybody I know, somebody that want to get help. And there are some. But you got to really want to. You got to take that action if you want to live a better life. You know, I'm not the one to judge you. And you're not the one to judge me, but I'm telling you. If you change your thinking, you won't be sinking. Think about it. This is the other page radio. My name is Hale Fennell. I'm real happy to be here today. We're going to take a little break, and I'll be right back. Back to the other page radio again. This is WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. Boston's community radio station. This is the other page. My name is Havel Fennell. I'm a veteran. Proud veteran. Doing the things in the community to raise awareness about the importance of building a veterans foundation in our community. I know a man. I knew a man. A tall man. Tall like a tree and strong like a California redwood. Great man. He was a great man. He showed us what leadership is all about. He showed us that color was not the issue. Not understanding the importance of difference and understanding that even though we might be biologically different, we're still the same. I'm talking about Mel King. Mel King. You would hear that name and it would ring like a bell. You knew something was getting ready to come about to change the dynamics from poverty to hope being becoming hopeful. Mel King challenged the South African government around apartheid and the Cougaran. The Cougaran was like a gold coin that was a part of the currency in the financial world not just in South Africa, because it was gold. It was honored all over the world. Mel Cain put on a, a chill attack and stopped them. Mandela was in prison. And Mel Cain took up the battle as a representative in the state legislature here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Mel King will be honored because he passed at the age of 94 years old and his funeral is going to be next week at the Methodist Church on Columbus Avenue. 
Mel King, who lie in state on Tuesday from four until, and the funeral will be held the next day from 12 until its completion. That's the information that I have right now to share with you about a great man and how we are celebrating his past and talking about his past. If you want more information about what's going on with Mel King, I am going to provide you with a number that you can call 617-304-5507. To get the information and the location correct, to pay homage to this man that was a leader that sought to become the first black mayor of the city of Boston. He was a poet in the human spirit. He was a poet when he recited his work. He was a poet when he showed people how to move in the spirit, trying to build where there was no buildings there. But with Mel, we ended up with a place called Tent City. South End Technology Center on Columbus Avenue was a thoroughfare and is a thoroughfare for young people to come in and get computer skills that they didn't have and have the opportunity to talk and get advice from one of the greatest men that I know, Mr. Mel King and his family of sons and daughters and his wife. A great man with a great family. 617-304-5507 so that you can pay your respects to the family, to the man that loved this city and did so much to change the, the dynamics, especially in the South End. But let me tell you something. Mel King cared about people. He was involved all the way up. Ex-offenders like myself have seen the work that he has done. I know this man's work with the ex-offender community, with the recovery community. He was sensitive, and that's what we have to be, and that's the legacy that we must continue to strive to carry on with, be sensitive to the needs of our community. We need to understand that together we can, divided we can't. No project is too big for us to overcome. And a lot of things are happening that shouldn't be happening, but since they're happening, we got to challenge them. That's what Mel King was about. He was down in South Carolina over 50 years ago in South Carolina State when they was doing the sittings, etc. He lived way in Massachusetts but he's way down in South Carolina and later on other places. People calling for Mel King to organize so that they could overcome a great, a great leader like a California Redwood has fallen. Has fallen.
And you know, like, it was like a silent crash as we watched Mr. King, who passed at the age of 94 years old, sitting on a bench or one of those benches that you can see in front of South Bend Technology Center. And people would come by and stop and talk to Mr. King or drive by and blow the horn or just come by and seek advice from Mr. King. A lot of the political leaders of today have gone to talk to Mr. King. A lot of leaders, a lot of young people have been encouraged by Mr. King. He also encouraged me. And when I used to go to his house on Sundays, they had these breakfasts and people from all spheres of life, professional, non-professional, just wanted to meet other people. Mr. King, his family, Pamela King, his wife made that all possible. That's what Mel King was about. He was a people man. And that's what we must be about. It's not about climate change so much. It's about the need for people change. We don't even know how to address each other without using racial and ethnic slurs. And they say it's okay if you call your friend that, but if somebody else, let's say a white person, calls you an ethnic slur like the N-word, you're all upset. When you really shouldn't be upset, you shouldn't have never put that in your mouth. Nobody deserves to be disrespected when it comes to name calling. Somebody might smile, you know, and you might think it's okay, but they may be offended. They just don't say anything. We got to learn how to be more sensitive. We got to learn how to be people, people. How you like that, people, people? Yeah, we got to learn how to do that. So anyway, I gave you the number. You can call and get the correct information. Get Lit Project, founded by the Witherspoon Institute, whose founder is Alder Marshall. And we are at the boys' I mean, the library, branch library down in uh, Nubian Square once a month. I don't have those dates, but the library, if you will, about the Get Lit Project and when will it be there and you can learn about the dangers of not knowing how to learn because we don't know how to read. And that we need to read more. Let's say in Boston you have 30,000 students uh, and 10,000 of those students are middle school. Just say 10,000 for the sake of discussion. And one-third of those 10,000 which would probably be uh, 3,300 are not learning because they can't read. What will happen to these young people as they develop? What kind of skills will they develop because they can't learn? How will our community benefit? I'll tell you what Triad Veterans League has been doing. And we have created the Veterans Reading Brigade. The Veterans Reading Brigade is working with schools and we're planning to have a reading camp this summer. You have baseball camps, basketball camps, football camps where these athletes, you know, Tom Brady had a football camp. Everybody wanted to send their kid if they had to loot money to learn more about football at the Tom Brady football camp. And then you got uh, the league called No Books, No Balls. That's, that's good. But we, the Veterans Reading Brigade, are going to step 
into the void and work with our children. Along with that is that we are going to uh, encourage uh, ESL folks to be involved with the, and ESL is English second language, folks. See, people don't understand our history. But we built this country. This is the other page radio. Name is Haywood Fennell, WBCALP 102.9 FM. We're nearing uh, shutdown time, and I just want to talk a little bit more about Mel King. Because he's gone now, and he left a lot of disciples, and I'm just hoping that uh, they'll take up the slack and keep things moving because uh, we need to do that. Mel King showed us how to move and groove, and that's what we got to do. I remember he liked jazz, and they used to have a concert uh, in the church there on um, across the street from Darrell's restaurant. You know, a few years ago, you know, all the art vendors, et cetera, out in the street and then that church there, they have a jazz concert. And uh, it was a wonderful thing. Maybe we can keep that going. Maybe we can do something with Berkeley College of Music, the Africana Studies Department, see what they're thinking. I know the Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program Company, we're looking for some folks to audition, to be involved with a project that we're looking forward to be doing with BNN Media. So we're looking for some talent. So if there's uh, anybody that's willing to come out, 857 it's been a great program. I hope you got something out of it. Because we're always trying to make our community better and stronger with the help of BNN Media. Triad Veterans League is really an honor to talk to you today. My name is Haywood Fennell about what we need to do for our veterans in our community and their families trying to get a plan up so that we can have a veterans comprehensive community center that will have a housing component, trying to get people to be involved with that. You know, we're just trying to let people know that veterans, they pay their dues. And they're looking for the same thing. Some call it reciprocation. I just call it payback. You know, we ain't taking no slack. We ain't jumping over no walls. Attacking capital. We don't have to do that. We are honorable men and women. And we want what we serve for protection of our freedom and we are able to avail ourselves to change the policies and the procedures that determine how our veterans are treated then what is it all about what does it mean It's got to mean something. It's up to you what we need to do to make it right. We don't have to fight. Share. If our country can pay attention to what is going on in this country, and put all that rhetoric aside. America is already great. We don't need to be sidelined 
by people who never wore the uniform. If you never stood up and took that oath, you shouldn't be making all that noise. Veterans have to be respected and their families as well because sometimes their families become codependent on the behavior. We got to work together, everybody. We got to put away with all the divisions and the divisiveness. This can be the opportunity to help and be your neighbor's keeper. Because if you've been in the military and went through all the training and you were sent away from your home and you found yourself on a ship or on a plane being shipped to a staging area, and you get to another country, and people don't think like you, don't look like you, you think about home. And why are you there? And they send you someplace in an area, no telephone, no nothing like you were used to. And those experiences that transform you. And you have to come back to America and don't get debriefed. You just get sent home. You just get a discharge. Nobody thought about debriefing you. This will get you out of there if you don't re-enlist for some more of that. And things begin to happen. You can't make the adjustments. And your behavior changes. You begin to involve yourself in things that later on might cost you your freedom because of your thinking. It could even cost you your life because you didn't get the treatment that you needed. It wasn't recognized. Let's start thinking about our veterans a little more. If we can, meaning the government, meaning the president who's not a veteran, nor was the one before him, nor was the one before him. We got to understand the veterans. We can't disrespect veterans. If we can give almost $40 billion to fight the Russians in Ukraine, to save that country, why can't we give resources to save our veterans? Why can't we? You know what? I think that every elected official, male or female, they should be required to serve in the military. Because if you don't have a military to defend you, you're not protected. You don't understand the dynamics of what protection is. People get sent away from their homes and go into countries and come back damaged goods. And we don't have anything for them. They got to come up with some behavior that's contrary to what we are all about as Americans. Our jails, our prisons, our institutions, there are a lot of veterans in there. How? Why? One of the reasons is we don't care. Politicians that come in and seek your vote and talk about what they're going to do for the veterans, and we don't even have a Veterans Comprehensive Center in our neighborhood here in District 7. 
We don't have that. We got to build that voice of demand for change. We got to let people know that we care about each other. If you don't speak up, stand up and speak out, how can you be heard? We need you. We don't need the rhetoric. We need action. Remember that, remember that term, uh, Action Jackson? Yeah, we need some of that. We need the politicians to stop playing. I see them, some of them, and they just be waving at me like they're my best friend. But when I ask them to do something like sign the petition so that we can have a commemorated United States Postal Stamp based on the calendar the Triad Veterans League has been producing annually for the last five years, I don't get no response. You're going to learn how to respond to our veterans because we're going to call you out the next time the elections come by. Not to embarrass you, but just to say, what have you done for veterans? What have you done on a consistent basis to raise the level of service for our veterans, particularly black veterans? See, because the United States military has been systemically racist since the American Revolution. They didn't want to give us any uniforms. They didn't want to give us any guns. But yet we fought and died all over the world for hundreds of years. Went out into the West. Fought in the West. That's where the term Buffalo Soldiers came from. Because of the hair and the semblance to the Buffalo because they were so strong, the black veterans in the West. They were the best in northern Italy, in northern Africa, in France, in England, flying planes, dropping bombs. And now you drop the bomb on us when we come back to this country. You don't want to do anything. Nobody's accountable. That's why those people need to be veterans. You need to go in the military. So you can understand why you're free. You just take it for granted. No. It's been a great show, everybody. certainly hope that you have a... Um, Opportunity to go down and call that number to get the directions for Mel King's honors. We're thanking you so much for being a part of our listening project today. We want to remember General Edward O. Gordon Park project. It's coming. You're going to be proud of it. We're going to be doing work together. We're building. We got to build. We can't let people forget about what the veterans have done and are doing, male and female. The other page radio. We salute you all. We thank you so much for your listening and hope that you'll be with us again the next time we say WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. Welcome to the other page radio. Have a good day, everybody. God bless you all. Thank you so much. We appreciate you.